Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Throughout this summer, we have placed a real emphasis during our communion times on that which God did for us as he sent his son to be the savior of the world. And there is no greater emphasis when we think about that than that of the cross. Martin Luther said, man must always have a cross. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, God forbid, be it far from me. Let nothing else be my focus except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it was through that cross that the world was crucified to me and I to the world. And that's what makes all the difference. Let's read this verse together. We're just going to read the verse. We're going to do it several times throughout this service focus. And I trust that at the end of the service, it not only is in our heads, but it's in our hearts. Just the verse without the reference. Be it far from me, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Somebody has written the cross. It struck fear in the hearts of the world. It was Roman's means of controlling the people. According to Roman custom, the penalty of crucifixion was always preceded by scourging. After this preliminary punishment, the condemned person had to carry the cross, or at least the transverse beam of it to the place of execution, exposed to the jibs and insults of the people. On arrival at the place of execution, the cross was uplifted. Soon the sufferer, entirely naked, was bound to it with cords. He was then fastened with four nails to the wood of the cross. Finally, a placard bearing the name of the condemned man and his sentence was placed at the top of the cross. Eventually, this wretched locality of a forest of crosses, while the bottoms of the victims was seen by the whole community, and it became a place of prey for vultures and other birds. It often happened that the condemned man was, did not die of hunger or thirst, but lingered on the cross for several days. To shorten his punishment and lessen his terrible sufferings, his legs were sometimes broken. This custom, exceptional among the Romans, was common with the Jews. In this way, it was possible to take down the corpse on the very evening of the execution. Among the Romans, though, the corpse could not be taken down unless such a removal had been specifically authorized in the sentence of death. The corpse might also be buried if the sentence permitted. It is remarkable that all of the Bible records this in a simple statement, and they crucified him. God forbid that I should boast 
in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a beloved hymn, the old rugged cross. It was penned by a gentleman by the name of George Bennard. I have a couple of books in my library. This one is called 101 Hymn Stories. There is a sequel that is called 101 More Hymn Stories. But Ken Osbeck tells us this about that great hymn. Seldom can a song leader suggest a time for favorites from any congregation without receiving at least one request for the old rugged cross. This gospel hymn, a sentimental favorite of Christians and unsaved alike, was written by George Bennard in 1913. George Bennard was conducting revival services. And one time after returning to Michigan, he passed through a trying experience that caused him to reflect seriously about the significance of the cross and what the Apostle Paul meant when he spoke of entering into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. As Bennard contemplated these truths, he became convinced that the cross was more than just a religious symbol, but rather the very heart of the gospel. George Bennard has left the following account regarding the writing of this hymn. The inspiration, I quote, came to me one day in 1913 while I was staying in Albion, Michigan. I began to write the old rugged cross. I composed the melody first. The words that I first wrote were imperfect. The words of the finished hymn were put into my heart in answer to my own need. Shortly thereafter, it was introduced at special meetings in Pokagon, Michigan on June 7, 1913. The first occasion where it was heard outside of the church in Pokagon was at the Chicago Evangelistic Institute. There it was introduced before a large convention and soon it became extremely popular throughout the country. Shortly after writing this hymn, George Bennard sent a manuscript copy to Charles Gabriel, one of the leading gospel hymn composers of the area. Gabriel's prophecy, you will certainly hear from this song, was soon realized as the old rugged cross became one of the most widely published songs, either sacred or secular, in the country. On October 9, 1958, at the age of 85, Bennard exchanged his cross for a crown. He spent the last years of his life by the side of the road a few miles north of Reed City, Michigan. Near this home, there still stands a 12-foot cross with the words, The Old Rugged Cross, home of George Bennard, composer of that beloved hymn. You know, as we sing, we ought to understand the theology of what we're singing. And the composition of this hymn gives to us an understanding of what Paul wrote and said, it's only the cross. Because with the cross, I've become dead to the world and the world 
This morning we're going to sing through that great hymn and I'm going to preach through that great hymn. And we're going to celebrate what God has done for us in his given body and shed blood. We're also going to read Galatians 6.14 a number of times. And I trust that God just uses this to encourage us in a very special way. You know the hymn, On a Hill Far Away Stood an Old Rugged Cross. We're going to sing the stanzas and look at them, and then we're going to end with the chorus, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Let's sing that first stanza together. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest gives to us a message and it begins by telling us something about God's plan. Christ died for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us about the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and, and rose again according to the scriptures. The Bible tells us that the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53. And if we're to understand the cross, we need to understand God's plan that began back in the Garden of Eden. It was there that God's perfect creation, to whom he had given a free will, listened to the servant and violated God's standard. God then prophesied that the seed of the woman, the one who would be born in the future, would kill the serpent, kill sin itself, and provide salvation for all mankind. Aren't you thankful that he came to take away our sins? Aren't you thankful that he removes them as far as the east is from the west? That he buries them in the deepest sea? And aren't you thankful that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? That was God's plan. And God sent his son as the lamb to take away the sin of the world. And it's in that old rugged cross that we discover God's plan. Throughout history, God emphasized his plan to his people. I remind you of the Passover. As God's people were being delivered from Egypt, plagues were placed upon the Egyptians. And the final plague was the slaying of a lamb, 
a lamb that was to have no blemish, that was to have no spot, but whose innocent life was taken and blood was applied on the top and side posts of the door. And when the death angel came through the land, when it saw the blood, it passed over that house. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? And I am so thankful that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read it together, just the verse. Be, but be it far from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Not only do we see that Christ died for our sins in his plan, but we have redemption through him, and that gives to us great power. God has given to us the, the wonder of who he is. And I am so thankful for that. The second stanza tells us, on that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me, for the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark cavalry. Let's sing that together, please. Oh, that dear rug so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. Lamb of God left his glory above Peter says that we have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He then tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. The redemption that we find in the cross is illustrated as we celebrate the communion service. The given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told that it was delivered unto Christ. How we are to do this in remembrance of him. And the wonder and power that God has revealed to us to allow us to celebrate. But be it far from me, far from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Gentlemen, thank you. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood, so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. Yep. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood, so 
where's the last line of that? To pardon and sanctify me. The purpose of the cross is that we be obedient and that we recognize that God has a purpose for our lives. We are to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We as new creatures in, in Christ recognize that old things are passing. It is a process away. And all things are becoming new. And that's what we know as progressive sanctification. Sanctification, setting us apart of a, as a people for his own. And God's desire is that we are obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lusts and in our ignorance. But as he who has called us is holy, so be holy. In all manner of life, for it's written, be holy because I'm holy. I'm so thankful that God has set us apart. The scripture tells us that God has set us apart positionally. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that he has placed us within the body of Christ. One day God is going to set us apart permanently. We will absence our bodies and we will be present with our Lord. Amen? Amen? That happened to Joyce Burnett last Monday. She absenced her body and she was present with her Lord. Amen and amen. And one day we are going to permanently be with him as this corruptible puts on incorruption and this mortal puts on immortality. And death is swallowed up in victory. But until then, there's a process. It begins with God's word having its place in our lives. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He's changing me. My blessed Savior. I'm not the same person that I used to be. Oh, it's a slow going, but I'm still knowing that Jesus Christ is changing me. How about you? That's his purpose. And the whole purpose began in the cross with the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read the verse together, can we? But be it far from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. His purpose is to challenge us and change us and conform us to the character of Christ. Amen? That's a good thing. Because I look at my life. And I don't want to stay the way I am. I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? And that we discover in the cross. The cross also tells us about a privilege that we're going to have. Let's sing that last stanza together, please. To the old rugged cross 
Can I get an amen? <laughs> For his glory forever I'll share. And the wonderful privilege that we are going to have is that we are going to be present with our Lord. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus said in John chapter 14? He was talking to his disciples, and he was telling them that one day they, that he would leave them. He would go away. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself. Why? That where I am, there you will be also. And verse 6 of that wonderful passage says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I don't know about you, but I never take heaven for granted. Scripture says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither entered in the heart of man the, the things that God hath prepared for them that, that love him. Now we know the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that don't believe. But unto us it is the power of God and salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through, right? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angel beckons me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know. I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what am I going to do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, oh, I like that, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And I like the way the apostle ends that passage. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This old world's not getting any better. I mentioned about praying for our students. Many of our students are going to be in the public arena this fall. It's not getting any better. But this old world is not the end. 
because it will get better. And the privilege we have is that someday we will be with him and we will see him like he is. Amen? I'm looking forward to that. May we do the verse one more time? But be it far from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I love the chorus of the old rugged cross, don't you? So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Let's sing that together, please. So cherish the old rugged cherish the old rugged cross you know the things that are important to us are the things we talk about and as we celebrated the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ the scripture says that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and if it's important to us that's what we're talking about And as we cherish the wonder of what God has done for us through his son, that makes a difference in our lives. Amen? So I'll cherish the old.